Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. The big news, 18 state attorneys general from states that Trump won are now trying to sue other states because they aren't happy Joe Biden won. Brothers and sisters, this is the worst of times. The reference is not a nod to a tale of two cities. We are all together in a single world of pain. We've never had more starving from a pandemic in modern times. Today, more died from this virus than on any single day before. And yet, it will now get worse. Partisans with poisonous intent are trying to create a crisis on top of a crisis. This moment will be remembered for what happens next. And I want to be on record to you and to all as an American, as a journalist, and as an officer of the court. Trump and his party are trying to kill our democracy with these efforts. And I accuse them of this high crime tonight. This is wrong. Now, their efforts don't have to come to fruition for the fraud to be a crime against you, the people. This is a power grab attempted that is worse than anything we have seen in modern politics. These men and women are doing it with complete knowledge that there is nothing worthy behind the claims. Their hope is a foul one, that a single body may validate their vindictiveness, validate mobocracy, and nullify democracy. To be fair and to expose the fraud, All of these attorneys general were invited on. Not one chose to own this argument in person. Every statement offered was full of bad feelings and completely absent of any compelling proof of the same. The charge against them must be clear to all. They want to go to the highest court with no proof. have counted, vetted, recounted in cases, litigated issues of concern in cases, and certified outcomes that produce Joseph Biden as the winner, as the law requires. Eighteen acting arguably in bad faith and for the benefit not of their states. They already exercised law. They already exercised due process. Not certainly for the people who put them in power, but for one man. A man who sees this move that could explode society as what it is, the big one. He wants the court that he packed to change the outcomes in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin. All those states passed laws to allow the voting they conducted in the way they conducted it in full view of, and often under the control of, Republican lawmakers. Trump's claim is a lie. His claims of proof 
to support them have been proven fraudulent 50 times over. And yet, even before the Supreme Court on this matter, he just lied. Literally, in a filing to the Supreme Court, Trump argues no presidential candidate has ever won Ohio and Florida but lost the election. Really? Nixon did in 1960. What do you think? They didn't know? No, they lie. And Nixon is a fitting analog to Trump because not since Nixon have we seen someone lie to us for personal gain like Trump. His main co-conspirator, the attorney general at the head of this travesty, is Texas AG Paxton. He himself is under investigation by the FBI, accused by his own top aides of abusing his office, of bribery, and he has been indicted on securities fraud. Just the kind of looking leader, Kevin McCarthy, asked today by CNN if he would consider Biden president-elect after the electors vote on Monday. What does he say? Why would I do that? I'll wait till it's all over to find out. That is when it's over. And he knows it. He is a living rejection of his own oath and owner of no code beyond his own ambition. And then there's Senator Ron Johnson, chair of the Senate Homeland Security Committee. He won't rule out challenging the results even after the Electoral College on January 6th when Congress formally certifies the vote. He's holding a hearing next week on the, quote, irregularities of the 2020 election. Ask him for proof. The proof of his perfidy is in abundance these days. These same men anxious to go to the grave on an empty accusation. These same men. We're once all about proof. Listen. There are no facts there to uphold impeachment. That's not how democratic republics behave. Elections matter. Voters matter. Democrats haven't just failed on process. They've also failed on evidence. They want to undo the results of the last election to influence the next one. The charges are are pretty thin gruel. Uh, I don't see anything impeachable in that. A lot of damage being done to our democracy right now, Martha, is what we're now talking about. So you know, we, we can obsess on this impeachment, we can obsess on the trial, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get the American people the truth of what all happens. It's whether we should drag a completely flawed and, and pretty weak case on for months and months. What changed? Nothing except their own ambitions. That's it. But hopefully, then as now, people will stand up. When was then? McCarthy. This is the inheritance of Joseph McCarthy in that Republican Party. Now, that was never taken to the level that Trump has been. You have to tell him. Strong and wrong, he sets a new standard. But just like then, hopefully now, it will end with the Supreme Court. Then it was the Warren Court. Now it's the Roberts Court. Maybe, once again, the Supreme Court will expose them. They just did it, nine nothing, on very similar issues. And accuse them and charge them by their actions with the fruit of their efforts, which is national embarrassment. Remember this moment. The country will for generations. How does it go? And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 16th of December, year of our Lord, 2020. And yeah... I think they were worried. That was Chris Cuomo bringing us in. 
And I welcome you back to the show because I, wow, wow. Going to play another soundbite in a second. Uh, today we're going to keep it uh, short and cover the latest crazy, stupid stuff in a short woke section, some violence on the back end. And instead of doing what most conservatives were doing this week about the Dr. Biden, I'm going to put it on the back end because it was the worst thing we heard this week combined with the latest stupidity and hypocrisy. But with the election done and the electors have certified that it was Joe Biden, even though Dominion stuff's all over Twitter and it's pretty bad that in Fulton County alone, 68% of the ballots went through and they were okay, but that left 32% that were fucked up and all 32% were adjudicated without Republicans present and they all went to Joe Biden. So if there was an error on a ballot, it went to Joe Biden, which is illegal as fuck. It's inappropriate. We had an election in 2000 that was in the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court, of course, failed to listen to the Texas charges. And I don't think the Trump people had any real proof because anybody with two eyes knows this election was jerry-rigged, but you can't you can't prove it because when you, you cheat, you throw out the evidence. So in every one of these cases that we know... And I say we know nonpartisan normal people who stare at the numbers go, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't pass the smell test. They deleted the shit. So if they made up ballots, those ballots are gone. There aren't envelopes to cover most of the counties in the five states that all of a sudden just changed to Biden while we were sleeping. They counted more ballots than were mailed out. I mean, this whole thing is crooked, but you can't prove it. So they're going to get away with it because I don't think the Trump people had anything. I think the whole Sidney Powell release the Kraken crap was just to keep people motivated, but more to follow on that. Uh, Chris Cuomo, congratulations, American Trumpers lost. SCOTUS kicked them out of the court to the curb again. Packing the court didn't beat justice. My guess is the Retrumpicans don't quit because this was never about loyalty or law. It's about fealty and cowardice. Make them do their jobs. Chris Kinder. What will CNN host of Objective News Program give opinion on after January 20th? I don't know because here's Jake Tapper. So after an election that inspected respected election officials for both parties who went very well with no evidence of widespread fraud... In an election where Republicans generally did leave very well, except for the top of the ticket with historically unpopular president, the president distraught lies and spreads deranged conspiracy theories. Blah, blah. This goes on for 10 tweets. But remember, this guy instantly believed Russia stole the election. A proven conspiracy theory. So, of course, when it finalized, here is your media. President-elect Joe Biden took another critical step toward the White House today with the vote by the country's electors, known as the Electoral College, formalizing his victory. Here's Pete Williams. This is what the actual vote for president looks like. 20 votes for the Honorable Joseph R. Biden. For President Donald J. Trump. Joseph R. Biden has received 16 votes for President of the United States. 538 presidential electors met around the country pledged to vote for the winner of the popular vote in their states. 
it's not just out of tradition, but to show uh, folks, uh, especially now more than ever, um, our system works. This process, nearly as old as the nation, has never before received this much attention. In Michigan, the state capital where the electors met was closed to normal business over what officials said were security concerns. As expected, Joe Biden received 306 electoral votes, Donald Trump 232. In this battle for the soul of America, democracy prevailed, Biden says, in remarks prepared for a speech tonight. The number of election lawsuits is now down to a trickle without a single significant Trump victory. And legal experts say after today's vote, the ability to change the result in court is gone. Everything up to now has been a prelude to this official moment today. And, to, and the Constitution makes today both the day and the last day. But what, what we're seeing, Kate, is a uh, demonstration by House Republicans of the extent of the rot inside the Republican Party right now. These people know what Donald Trump is. As Ted Cruz said in 2016, he's a pathological liar. Marco Rubio called him a con artist. But because they're afraid of him and afraid of the supporters that he uh, holds the loyalty of, and because the only principle that matters to them is holding on to power, they've agreed to sign on to this preposterous lawsuit aimed at throwing out the votes in other states, in four battleground states. Kate, these are people who, if Donald Trump said, I'm going to trash you on Twitter unless you go smack your mom in the face, they would go smack their moms in the face and try to explain it to them afterwards. And in reality, what they're doing is smacking American democracy in the face. I think the Republican Party this morning is uh, desperate. I also believe the Republican Party is in fear. And I think it's in fear of what's going to happen to them if they don't go along with the agenda you know, that's being set by the president right now. Here, here's what I want to tell people. COVID is real. The Kraken is not. It's that simple. You know, there are 16 members who signed on to this letter who live in the four states that are being sued, basically. They are trying to overturn the election in the states that they live in. They are saying that the elections that they won are invalid. Don't they have to resign or don't they have to not take the oath of office in January? If the elections are so fraudulent, how can they continue to serve? I had this discussion with somebody and they said, well, it's obvious, you know, that there's there's some kind of issue because, look, all these Republicans won and President Trump lost. So there was obviously some kind of nefarious play going on here. I said, actually, it's the other way around. Uh, what, what you're seeing right now is it's almost impossible to conduct this type of systemic fraud by allowing, you know, the Republicans to gain so many seats in the House, you know, to, to possibly keep the Senate, but just to concentrate on the president and the manipulation of code. And what you would have to do to do that is, is almost so improbable. And yes, so I guess you would have to resign. And when I say that, it's automatically like, oh, whoa, 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 Denver. You know, um, you know, I think you're taking it too far. I'm like, no, no, we're really not. Congressman Denver Riggleman, we appreciate you coming on, sharing your views with us. Please keep coming back. We look forward to talking to you again. I really appreciate you all. And, you know, just keep spitting facts. Do the best you can. Do the best we can. COVID is real. The Kraken is not. You know, I play this stuff because if people that still listen, and I don't know if Boss does in New York, they believe this was on the up and up. And, and I really want you to think, if you objectively look at any of the evidence the empirical data of how Florida and Ohio went and every other state went based on demographics. If you look at vote dumps, 
the probability of five swing states just in certain cities doing what they did is one in a trillion. You could say it happened. But for four years, we said Donald Trump stole the election. I think the problem with people on this, and I'm going to bubba gump it after this. That's all I'm going to say about this. Is they confuse their dislike of Trump with facts, with evidence. We never had an election where 2,000 people signed fucking affidavits that they saw crooked shit. We've never had an election where a USPS driver said... I was delivering pallets of ballots across state lines. What the Democrats did in 2016 and 2020 is make 48% of the country never trust elections again. And you can say that's not a majority, but it is. That's the majority opinion of polls 30% of Democrats believe it was stolen and that all started with 2016 and Hillary Clinton floating a lie that turned into a conspiracy that turned into major agencies in our country propagated that lie and conspiracy for three years until it was disproven. And then they impeached him over things that really, well, it just doesn't pass the smell test. You impeached him for what Biden did, as we'll see once again in the Hunter Biden thing. But I really believe overall, if you want to take something from This whole thing. The funniest thing is that people that believed the Electoral College should be abolished literally were crowing about the Electoral College today. And yet, I mean, yesterday. They thought it was the best thing ever. And just... Really, I mean, at some time, we have to get to a point in our country that we treat both parties the same, and we don't. There is a standard for conservatives, well, not even conservative anymore. There really isn't a Republican Party. The Republican Party is now, sadly, a party that bows to whatever the media thinks. And they go with that. Thus, you get the latest immigration thing that came from Republicans to allow people to take jobs of Americans from foreign countries for Silicon Valley. But we got to hold them all accountable. So you can't have an election where actual facts are suppressed Because you don't like the person. We have to have integrity. I'd rather have a president I don't like be president and have it done with all the facts on the table than a president get it because we just don't like that person. 
especially when that president is a senile 80-year-old dude. But people, of course, replied to Cuomo. Did a news anchor just say the Trumpers packed the Supreme Court? Why, yes, he did. Who packed the court? Chris Cuomo gloats about Trumpers losing while making a bizarre argument about the court being packed. This is the highly quality journalism CNN viewers stuck at airports have to see. Stephen L. Miller, you're about as well versed on what court packing is as you are on Chaplinsky. Another, remember when your network paid Nick Sandman millions, Frito? That was awesome. But he said court packing. But are we surprised? Survey of two news agencies. Zero Trump votes. They're all liberals. And while we're talking about this in unity, let's just go into our ugly. This is Deborah Messing. America, this is a leader, real Donald Trump. You... This is a leader, real Donald Trump. You are a weak, scared, stupid, inept, negligent, vindictive, narcissistic criminal. I hope you live a long life in prison where you become the most popular boyfriend to all the inmates. Deborah Messing, let me be clear. I said nothing about LGBTQ queer love. Rape is an act of violence. Trump has perpetrated violence on hundreds of millions of people. My hope is, and this is the first time in my life, that the tables are turned and he is the victim of the perpetrators. Or surmised by William Brown Old Balls. (laughs) I really wish that was the guy's title. Let me be clear. I hope my political opponents are raped in prison. Because we need healing and unity and shit. Yeah. That That's okay. There is no pushback on this. This didn't make national news. Republicans not wishing congratulations to the dear leader made national news. That's our media. In a nutshell. I mean, it's it's almost comedic, if you think about it. I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, what else are you going to say? It's like, we did a whole election on calling somebody a slut. <laughs> I hate going back in the well, but we did. An entire election was about somebody who wasn't an elected official Calling somebody a slut. And we elected a president on that. But this is normal. Here is CNN Rye invoking slavery about police. That that's that that's okay. GOP is a cancer. Donnie Deutsch. Trump supporters really are bad human beings. And a media clip of just, we need to censor all conservatives. They, they don't need a voice. 
Yeah. So, Angela, you know, you and I have talked before about whether or not calls to defund the police hurt Democrats um, in elections. Um, and again, I think this is an important conversation to have, as I've said all along here. But what's your reaction to hearing this, this audio? Well, the first thing I would say in response to Mayor Landrew is that the one thing he did not say in that leaked audio was reimagine policing. Um, and I think that's unfortunate. You know, we do need to talk about reimagining a system that from its outset was set up to return um, fugitive enslaved people back to their masters. And so what that means is that it was never designed to serve a whole segment of society. And so if we're going to talk about reimagining policing, Mitch, just like you've done all over the country, right, you have to get to the history of the thing. You can't reform a department that was designed to protect and serve some and shoot to kill others. And so what we really have to do is talk about whether it's defund or some other message, divest to reinvest, you know, any of that. We need to really have those frank conversations. If we're very honest and clear, what we know is that Joe Biden, even during the campaign, was not a fan of defund, was not a fan of, of as we talked about before, Don, justice in poli the Justice and Policing Act. He didn't even support all of that. And so it's fine that he has his position and he's clear about it. They still need to rely on data, and they still need to be careful about hurting the two candidates that we have running for the Senate in Georgia, which also came up during that meeting. I was thinking the last time after that conversation, I said, "What? Uh, maybe, maybe it's refund the police. I don't know. Like, no, you're I think, reallocating, but you're no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don, I think I think Angela's right about this. The word reimagine is a better word. Yeah. Um, when I was mayor of the city of New Orleans, we had to completely reimagine our police department. And if the idea is to actually put money on the front end of investing in mental health, investing in substance abuse, investing in peer counseling, investing in violence intervention, in trauma-informed care, and not necessarily on police and prisons, everybody knows that that makes a lot of sense. The word defund can be taken out of context, it can be used against you, it can be manipulated, and so if we're just talking about words as opposed to completely reimagining how to make communities safe, and understanding that safety and security means different things to different people, then I think that we have a we have a lot to do together, and I think we ought to lean very heavily into making sure that the criminal justice system is changed institutionally from what it is today. It means that they are putting party for before country and going to war against our democracy, uh, against the core of our democracy, free and fair elections. You know, Wolf, you and I both worked overseas. In, in the worst banana republic, I'm not sure they'd try this. If this were going on in any other democracy around the world, or India or, or Poland or uh, you know Indonesia, th this would be like front page news. We'd be saying, can you believe this? But this is going on here. And what it tells you is this party is simply not fit to rule, is not fit to govern. It makes the outcome in Georgia so much more important. It makes it so much more important that they lose control of the Senate, that they lose control of the White House. And if this were kindergarten, they have a timeout. This party needs to go sit in the corner and reflect on who they are and what they've become because they've become a cancer on our democracy. Yeah, it's so, so true because uh, all 50 states, Tom, have now officially certified the results from their states. Uh, it, th those results show in the national popular vote, Biden won by more than 7 million votes. Uh, and as far as the all-important electoral college is concerned, 306 electoral votes for Biden, 232 for Trump. You need uh, 270. A clear-cut 
a clear-cut, very decisive win, yet the President of the United States, these Republican attorneys general, these Republicans, members of the House, they want to throw that away. Yeah, I mean, we've really, you know, the divide isn't left-right anymore. It's it's fact-based and um, science fiction-based in the country, basically. There's not much we can we can do about that, except maybe celebrate a little bit tonight, Wolf, too. And let, let's talk about the part of the glass that's half full. The fact that all 50 states red and blue, as it were, um, conducted free and fair elections. And some had Republican secretary states and some had Democratic ones. The fact that judges, I think the score is something like 68 to 1, you know, ruled against Trump uh, and all these bogus lawsuits across the country. Trump appointed judges. So the federal judiciary really held. And of course, the, seem, the Supreme Court, uh, with a pro-Trump seeming majority, swatted the whole thing away. So the good news is that in this case, well, the system held, but what if it had been really close? What if it had been closer and they pulled this off and they succeeded? Wolf, we'd be at, at we'd be in a civil war right now. People would be taking to the streets because a, a party would be denying millions and millions of legally cast votes. We have come so close. I mean, Lady Liberty Wolf, she was just crossing the intersection and this bus driven by this crazy man with all these people in the back applauding him just missed her. We are so lucky. But we have to remember these people, this party, the people doing this, they are not fit to govern. It's hard to believe what's going on. Um, you know, Reddit, 4chan to 8chan, What's the answer? What do they what do these companies need to do in your view uh, to actually help solve some of this? Yeah, no, it's another great question. Uh, and just to you know, pick up your point, the homogeneity of the media in the 60s and 70s obviously wasn't all a good thing. And we, it was ripe for disruption, and it has been disrupted. And Facebook is one of the big disruptors. I read a pretty good book this year uh, called Facebook, The Inside Story, which was a very well-reported inside account of Facebook searching for the answer to the question you've asked. And I came away with the conclusion that the problems that we face – I mean, you know, this is a private corporation that is motivated, as all companies are, to make money that is acting as a kind of public square and to expect that it is going to adjust its motivations to preserve democracy or to do the right thing all of the time. It's just naive. It's not it's not what it's built to do. And the history of Facebook that's described in this narrative is one of continually breaking things and then trying to fix them partially and, and getting better and better at apologizing. But I came away from it thinking, you know, it's a structure. It is not something that can be changed except by changing the structure of it. And yes, Facebook has moved somewhat. They had a better election in 2020 than they did in 2016. They've learned to put some brakes on, uh, you know, here and there. But you can't uh, get away from the fact that their mission is to connect everybody in the world. That's what motivates Mark Zuckerberg, and it has it's his passion, and he profoundly believes in free speech. And, you know, those of us in journalism uh, have to come to terms with the fact that free speech, a principle that we hold sacred, is being weaponized against uh, the principles of journalism. And what do we do about that? I, I just say, you know, as as reporters, we kind of march into this war with our facts uh, nobly shouldered as if they were going to win the day. And what we're seeing is that 
because of the scale of this alternate reality that you've been talking about, our facts, our principles, our scientific method, it isn't enough. So what do we do? Here's the problem. In one of your earlier segments, there was a, you were showing a crowd at a, at a Trump rally or, a, or an anti-coronavirus rally, and somebody held up a sign that said, 99% survival rate is not an emergency, which that's the mindset of somebody if you were in a movie theater with 100 people and one person was going to die, the other 99 shouldn't care, shouldn't huddle around it. And that's the problem in this country is that we have a part of this country called the ungreatest generation that is a me culture. And if it doesn't affect me, I don't give a damn. I mean, that sign said it all. And that's the problem. Even if you have Biden's leadership and it has those three traits, if you have a huge part of this population, and we do, and it, I see the sadness in your face today, Nicole. I, I, you, you look like you're going to cry. I, I feel the same way. And what it comes down to is that certain people can't be led. If you have enough people who just don't give, it, don't give a damn unless it affects them, it's hard to solve that problem. And we have a segment that is the ungreatest generation, and that that's the sadness that we have here. That can't feel, well, can't look I mean, at that maybe, number of three thousand and go, those are people. They can't, they can't process it. They can't, if it doesn't affect them, they can't process it. And that's sad. But I, I can't imagine being in a movie theater, Donnie, and if one person started choking, everybody wouldn't get up and call 911. Like, I just refuse to believe that that's who we are. I, I think there's a, a chunk of the country that's been fed lies, and I'm not taking out the responsibility for believing the lies and being attracted to the lies. I know a lot of people who are high on the lies, myself in my own life. But I refuse to believe that we can't be led, at least some of us, to a somewhat brighter place. Some it of is us. the absence Before of any Eddie, forum but... for feeling the loss. Go ahead. But maybe we have to get to a point that maybe there are 50 million jerks in this country. Maybe that's the sad truth. And how do we manage that? Because Joe Biden is doing everything right. And when you see that sign and you see maybe there's a chunk of us that really suck as human beings. Maybe that's a reality. And by the way, that's the longest soundbite you're going to hear this show. That's how I'm fixing myself. Just don't. I mean, (laughs) don't do long soundbites, but Really, I want you to think about that. That is acceptable. In fact, it is lauded. Um, this is what is claimed on Twitter. Those sound bites will play. Calling for the rape of a president will play. But if you dead name a transgender person, you're banned. Or right now, you, you talk about the election, you're banned. We're still putting this claim as disputed, and you can't retweet people by just pushing a button. And oh, we made also uh, all important people can, like, block people from responding to them unless they want you to. I don't have that function, so I don't don't know how they do it. But we... we this is our country now. I screamed a lot during the election, and I will scream now uh, and probably never stop screaming for the next four years. Those people are the fascist. Those people were the people rigging elections. Those people were working with foreign governments. It wasn't 
conservatives or Trump or normals. It was them. And they will start most Ricky Tick. I mean, here's the latest out of Black Lives Matter, which I want you to just understand this. How it started, black folks defeated Trump. How it's going. It has been 32 days since we requested a meeting with Joe Biden and Camilla Harris. We've heard no response. That's news. But what's not news is an organization that says kill cops, fry them like bacon, has destroyed cities, murdered people. They've received $11 billion, to be exact, $10.9 billion. And nobody knows where that money came from, nor do they know where that money's going. And I will bet you a dollar to a cow's ass, it wasn't the Proud Boys getting $11 million. Which on a side note, because that's our This Is America Today violence, we stopped talking about white supremacists because they knew nobody was buying it. Since Charlottesville, where all 500 Nazis showed up, there are no Nazis. So now we've labeled a group that's full of gay people, black people, Latino, mostly veterans, the Proud Boys, the latest boogeyman. But they haven't collected $11 billion. And they didn't give that money to Republican campaigns, which I can guarantee of that $11 billion, a lot of it just went right back into the DNC. It's no different than PPFA, any town, or every town. Every organization that's a supposed nonprofit, they're just money laundering for the left. It all goes back into campaigns. But the replies to messing, which sent me on the tangent. Megan Kelly, this woman actually spends half her time scolding people for not being sensitive enough to LGBTQ people, among others. Like most woke bullies, however, she's perfectly happy to engage in bigoted attacks herself, just as long as the target's a Republican. What a phony. Chad Felix Green, I'm a gay man who was infected with HIV from rape. If your mind and soul are this small, hateful, and petty, you have no place to pretend you're a good person. Explain this trauma to perpetuate your insane, irrational hallucinations and profound ignorance is offensive, Deborah Messing. But that's not news. Chris Murphy was on everybody's TV pushing Russian collusion that's not true. All this week, he was pushing, why are Republicans questioning the election? New Jersey Democrats demand Pelosi strip 126 Republican congressmen of their seats because they opposed election fraud. 
Democrat Bill Pascal is calling on Speaker Pelosi to refuse to seat the 126 Republican members of Congress who signed the Texas election amicus brief to the 117th Congress on January 3rd. Better put by Rich Weinstein, New Jersey congressman who pushed Russian collusion hoax now wants to punish GOP reps for looking into election fraud. Here's his tweets. And so to ensure the American people and future Congress know how we got here today, I'm reading the Trump-Russian dossier, also known as the Christopher Steele dossier on the House floor. Partisans may dismiss the dossier's fake news, but they know that several allegations in this document have been verified. Not a single thing of substance report has been disproven. And today the FBI arrested a Russian spy on American soil. But yeah. That's okay. Questioning how hundreds of thousands of votes miraculously showed up in every black city. Yeah, I said it. Black city where Democrats usually rule, but blacks, Latina, and gay voted in record numbers for a president. Everywhere else. Questioning that, you shouldn't be a congressman, they say. But it just doesn't stop with the election. For one year, we have been told that Donald Trump, by the president of the elect of the United States, is the virus. Yet, miraculously, he's no longer going to be the president like in a month. But we're still getting cases everywhere, predominantly in areas that supposedly are perfect, like New York where Cuomo is a doctor, since we have to call them all doctors now. So Saturday Night Live went down that same road, that it's all Trump's fault, that he kills everybody. And they thought it was, they thought it was okay to do this skit. And now, a Rona family Christmas. Can't believe 2020 is almost over. I'm going to miss it. I know. We've been traveling nonstop all year. China, Italy, New York, Florida. How great is Florida? Oh, so great. I just wish we had a break from all the holiday parties. I mean, how many can the White House throw? <laughs> oh, uh-oh. I think I know who that is. Ah, my baby girl's home. Hi, Mom. <laughs> How was your first semester at college? It was incredible. I took out like a whole dorm. (laughs) We are so proud of you, honey. My little girl's a super spreader. (laughs) Oh, and I wanted you guys to meet this guy I started mutating with. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Um, Not to put him on the spot, but uh, we did meet on the contact tracing app. (laughs) I slobbed right. Yeah, and um, he's kind of famous. Oh, well, I guess a little. (laughs) Oh, come on. Tell them. All right. I mean, it's no big deal, but uh, I was the one who infected Hanks. (laughs) Tom Hanks? Wow, that was basically the Super Bowl of infections. What do you do next? (laughs) I'm going to Disney World. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this one's a keeper. (laughs) Well, now who is that? Hi. Hi. It's your neighbors. We just wanted to pop out of nowhere and say hello. (laughs) 
surprise. Honey, have you met the herpes? I haven't, actually, even though statistically I probably should have. <laughs> uh, I'm Oral, and this is my wife, Genital. Please, please call me Jen. Hey! What's the matter? Aren't you going to introduce him to your other child? Wow, look who's awake. Before 6 p.m., just in time to start drinking. Oh, I'm sorry, am I a little, uh, disinfected? At least I'm not a hoax, like the rest of this family. Sorry, maybe now's not a good time. Yeah, it's like the herpes only show up when you're stressed out. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. We'll, we'll come back. We always do. <laughs> well, that was incredibly rude. Oh, I'm sorry. Are my proteins uh, not perfect like my little sis? Back from her first semester at the University of Phoenix in person? We gave you every opportunity. We paid to send you to New Zealand, and now look, zero cases. People are going to concerts there. It's a disgrace. Think of your poor grandmother, Spanish influenza. Come on, give me a kiss. I'll kill you. So she infected the whole world, and that was before airplanes. Ay, uno besito. I kill everyone. If you don't start infecting again, your career's over. You're going to end up like those washed-up viruses on Dancing with the SARS. Maybe you'd feel better if you just dined indoors more. Hey, I'm just following Cuomo's stay-at-home order. You do not mention Cuomo in this household! Why not? A lot of people say he's the only real leader in this country right now. You know damn well that President Trump is the only one looking out for us. We wouldn't still be here without Trump. And, and Trump introduced us to everyone he knows. Even after he was infected. Now that's a class act. Guys, do we really need to talk politics right now? Your brother is living in the clouds when he should be living on surfaces. Oh, yeah? Well, I heard you're not even deadlier than the regular flu. Spike, you take that back! No, 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 no. Let the big man talk. You think you're big enough to hit your old man? Dad, stop! You even my dad? Maybe Mom just... Landed on a lung cell and replicated. Sometimes I wish you weren't my son. Oh, yeah? Well, it must be Christmas because your wish just came true. I'm getting the vaccine. <gasps> you wouldn't. Watch me. Pretty soon I'll have the antibodies. He's joining the radical Antibo. Why are you doing this to us? Because, Mom, you never had time for me. You never went to a single one of my NFL games. Dad's been so focused on the second wave, can't even hear his firstborn son crying out for help. Brony, say something. You're a great virus, son. Your laughter's always been so infectious, and you gave those tigers at the Bronx Zoo COVID, remember? I don't know how the hell you pulled that off. Stuck in their butts. I know I don't say this enough, but I'm proud of you. We all, we have so much to be grateful for this Christmas. And that to think, at this time last year, we were just a glimmer in the eye of a sick bat. And I know the odds are stacked against us, but maybe 2021 will be even better. And we were going to wait to tell you this, but... We're engaged. Yeah. And we're moving into Rudy Giuliani. Yeah! <laughs> HuffPo thought it was just fucking fantastic. The Rona family, grateful for Trump keeping them around. 
other articles. Uh, Mashable. Timothy Chalamet is so funny. SNL COVID skit divides social media. And when you get in here, it'll open, which is, it's acting really stupid. Let me refresh the page. Somehow it just didn't want to. uh... There we go. Why these two folks want to dress up COVID-19 virus cone on their heads? Ugh. I hope they ain't getting affected with it tonight because I'm sure it's it'll cause SNL to stop airing new episodes immediately. Were the SNL writers high when they came up with the Rona sketch? A, a, a liberal. This is the worst SNL skit and season ever. The Rona skit. How immature. 3,000 Americans died of COVID today. And the idiots think infection is funny. Yeah, they think it's funny. That That's good stuff. I mean, what's wrong with you? Why don't you think that's funny? They have basically told everybody we're all going to fucking die worse than before. And they got to keep that lie going because if not, they look like they just made it up, which they did because... Still only 6% of the deaths are actually COVID. And then you do that skit. It's Trump. Here's the thing that's going to backfire on him. Well, no, it's not going to backfire. Because the cases aren't going to go away. They're just going to blame red states. Because that's what they do. Oh, the reason why they're going up is red states. Don't look at New York. Red red state. Because New York's locked back down again. But Cuomo and de Blasio and all them are perfect. So let's take our first music break today. Uh, what are we going to play? Because I got some new music. Um, yeah. Let's see. I think we're going to play. Yeah, this is for my son. The Weird Sisters, Mastermind Rewinder. I guess they're a local band and they're big in Nashville. So it's kind of old school. A lot of these young kids come up with old school music. And then when you come in off the break, you're going to hear some more COVID because it's why I put it in the ugly section. We're still doing the vaccine thing. Like skepticism about vaccine, which I thought was because Trump was doing a conspiracy theory and shit, or it was red states or some reason Christians but now it's them and I got questions
I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows It's the most wonderful time of the Silver bells, silver bells. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used to know. Memories, Christmas memories. They're the sweetest ones I know Merry Christmas from Flyover Politic Podcast get back to normal, Dr. Anthony Fauci and other experts say that most of the people who can be vaccinated need to be vaccinated. But half of Americans now say they wouldn't take a vaccine if it was released now. If the Trump administration approves a vaccine before or after the election, should Americans take it and would you take it? If the public health professionals, if Dr. Fauci, if the doctors Tell us that we should take it. I'll be the first in line to take it. Absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us I should t- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. We have five companies in phase three clinical trials, and we're right now producing tens of millions of doses. So the fact that you continue to undermine public confidence in a vaccine, exactly. if the vaccine emerges during the Trump administration, I think is, is unconscionable. And, Senator, I, I just ask you, Stop playing politics with people's lives. The FDA could approve emergency authorization rather, for Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine as soon as today. But no vaccine will be effective if the people don't take it. In our series, Vaccinating America, we're looking at coronavirus vaccine hesitancy is what it's called. 60% of Americans say they would definitely or probably get a vaccine. But another survey shows only 14% of black Americans and 30 percent of Latinos trusted that it will be safe. Adriana Diaz spoke to an influential local leader in Boston who's having trouble persuading people to get the shot. Adriana, good morning to you. It is a problem. It is a big problem, Gail. Skepticism about this vaccine, as we've been reporting, is widespread, especially in communities of color, which, of course, have been disproportionately impacted by this it virus. It can't be trusted but verified with this. 
Trust can only come after we verify. The hard truth is, we've never done anything like this, ever. And what a shame to have something that could make a difference and then it doesn't get where it needs to be. The sight of those first vaccines going into the arms of Americans, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, all right? More are heading to every corner of this land. But how much? Is it right? Is it proportionate? Do some people get too much? And what about those then don't have enough? Is there any kind of sharing? How do you figure it out? Which communities is it going to? What type of people in those communities? Are we exacerbating problems of inequality here? But you're going to want to know where it is, and you're going to want to know why you don't have it. And you're going to want to know why some people where you live have it and you don't. You're going to want to know, all right? And it is our job to help you know. So here's what we know tonight, okay? In Ohio, hospitals in Columbus and uh, in Cincinnati, those two cities, got their first supply of 975 doses each this morning, okay? Now, that's nothing. It's going to be something of the people who get it, though, right? Those are two big population centers. But it matters that Cleveland wasn't first. Why not? It's the biggest. Because they're seeing more hospitalizations than Cincinnati or Columbus. The good news, two hospitals in Cleveland are on the short list to get shipments tomorrow. But see, that's the kind of thing we have to analyze. If Cleveland's seeing more cases of hospitalizations, why didn't they get it first? You see what I'm saying? That's a question that is relevant. And we could now follow up and go and we'll ask. And that's exactly what the hell we're going to do. Illinois, the trend of new cases lower than Ohio. Got a lot more doses today. 43,000 arrived this morning compared to less than 2,000 in Ohio. Is that fair? Seems so. Does it play out that way? Are there competing interests? We would investigate. Right now, on day one, it's too early to say what's behind that discrepancy other than what I just told you. But we have to be able to track it every day. We have to be able to trace things down. The problem is, there's no national system. There is no big brother watching this. There is no better mind. There is no better answer. There is no, don't worry, they know. There is no they. We, the interconnectedness, the interconnection, you coming online, telling me what you heard, having us track it down. We rely on this being done piecemeal, state by state, and them being honest. We're already seeing cracks in the system. The Kaiser Foundation says just over half of states plan on having database systems described as comprehensive and reliable. Why would you want to hide data on this? Think about a good reason. And then think of Florida, okay? And everything we're learning about Florida and cases. Nobody wants to hide data for good reason. Health equity is obviously your world of expertise. Um, we know how much this pandemic has hurt the black and brown community. But we also know from polls that distrust of the vaccine is particularly high among, white Afri among African Americans. What do you think that stems from? So, you know, it stems from a long history of oppression in this country. And we know structural racism where people of color have not had opportunities to live lives that are healthy and uh, productive. There are ongoing disparities in health care. You know, many people in communities of color still remember so many egregious acts uh, against them from the time of slavery through the Tuskegee syphilis experiment and um, even through current day um, experiences of discrimination. So it's not surprising that uh, mistrust um, is there in terms of what uh, science could do to harm people.
Now, there's many angles on this. The first angle is I could show you hundreds of tweets from the media and people from MSDNC saying there was no way we were going to get a vaccine. Kyle Griffin, I mean, everybody, fact check, coronavirus could come this year. Trump says experts say he needs a miracle to be right. They hit it from every fucking angle of fact-checking. But the best part is them now questioning it, saying because Trump's handing it out, it's bad and we need more Cuomo, a guy you throw through old people in fucking retirement homes to be killed. Yeah, that that was that was great. Or you have Anna Presley, COVID disproportionately impacting Black Americans because of the comorbidities of structural racism, because of transportation deserts and food apartheid systems. Nobody pushed back on that bullshit on MSNBC. But what the fuck is food apartheid? Are we back into white, you know, everything white's racism, milk's racism? But what should we expect? I mean, New York Times, as pointed out by Ari Fleischer, hasn't even reported Eric Solwell was banging Fang Fang. And my best, most Fantastic journalist uh, example, this podcast, is Edward Agawenga Jr. Now, he's a conservative, but April Ryan doesn't know this. April Ryan, the question is who leaked this and why? Also, I am told by a rights leader in that meeting that Joe Biden was being more so passionate than defensive. Can't Can't wait to hear what the Biden camp has to say. Edward Onguongo is irresponsible and sets a dangerous precedent for journalists covering the incoming administration to be able to use secretly recorded conversations and their stories. To parse out Biden's thoughts and anticipate his policy commitments, you must go through proper channels. The White House press secretary, the spokesman for the president, vice president, senior officials, all the president's public statements are all designated and responsible sources for information about the president's thoughts and intention. Revealing a contradiction between Biden's private thoughts and public statements is dangerous because it erodes public trust of the president, the office, and the media itself. April Ryan liked that. What she didn't understand is he was being facetious. Because for years, it was okay to do that. For four years, nobody had a problem with secret recordings, leaks, or anything. And here is one of the biggest race hustlers in the biz upset that people are releasing information. And while we're on ugly and unity and what's right and wrong, Joe Biden has an Instagram account for his dogs, and they just posted pictures of them using the president as a chew toy. I hope you'll enjoy these pics of me, Champ, and Charlie. First grandpupper, Naomi Biden, took these during our time. Oof, 
Hope you enjoy these picks. Champa Charlie, first grandpappy, took these during our picks. They tweeted it twice, and it shows the first dogs chewing on a Trump doll. But nobody has a problem with that. Nobody. We're all good with it. And I could play a eight-minute soundbite of the other hypocrisy. Well, I guess it's a three-minute soundbite. Let's play it. It's only three minutes. Here's more Team Biden stuff. President-elect Biden, how soon do you plan on taking the coronavirus vaccine? Did Hunter Biden commit a crime? Have you spoken to your son, Mr. President-elect? All right, so you were watching there, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, President-elect Joe Biden, announcing key roles for... You said it, it, the way this is, it's stupid. But you've got, I mean, at its basic, most basic, you have states telling other states how to run their elections, or they're trying to. And I'm struck by if that is where Republican principles and ideals are right now, where is this headed? Oh, wait, 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 I'm not Kate, saying you're, Kate, I'm saying Re- some Republicans. Republicans. Wait, wait, wait. Republican principles and ideals among these leaders went out the window about five years ago. I can't, you can't even tell me what the Republican Party stands for anymore. I really don't know. Do they have a position on health care? I haven't heard one. Do they have a position on immigration? I haven't heard one. Do they have a position on something they used to care about, which is the rising debt in America? I haven't heard one. What's their position on the environment? Ignore it. I don't. That's I have no idea joke. what they you stand. You and I are. The, you, you're the last Republican in the country that still cares about the deficit and debt. That's been sadly well, you an know ongoing what joke that you and I have discussed. Kate, some people say, well, what happened to Kasich? Okay, why, what, has he changed? No, I didn't leave the party. The party left me. I've been a free trader. I've balanced budgets. I've cut taxes. I've been, you know, I, I care about people that don't have much. I care about the environment. I'm a conservative Republican. The rest of these people, they're out to lunch. The Biden-Harris ticket represents something historic. Thank you for the honor. Thank you very much. Thank you. Person of the Year is not just about the year that was, but about where we're headed. And the next four years are going to be an enormous test of them and all of us to see whether they can bring about the unity they've promised. Do you think this is a do-or-die moment for democracy? This moment was one of those do-or-die moments. Had Trump won, I think we would have changed the nature of who we are as a country for a long time. Biden was running on a message of unity and healing at a moment when the country was sicker and more divided than almost any time in American history. This obviously was an election like no other, a campaign like no other. The, the question Supreme is, the radical left, would you shut up, man? Listen. The country is in deep trouble, and Donald Trump was just a symptom to reveal how deep the trouble actually is. Joe Biden saw what happened in Charlottesville as a symptom of a deeper American disease that... Listen, you had a record uh, 5 million people who voted in Georgia, uh, turning this presidential election for the first time in a very long time blue. But this time, President Trump and President-elect Joe Biden are not on the ballot. So how in the world do you keep the momentum going? Well, you make a good case for the for your two candidates, Stacey, but everybody says the turnout is always low when we have these kind of elections. 
and that it's just an uphill battle to climb, even with the candidates that you speak so highly of. You know, Purdue and Loeffler still have a lot of support out there. As I said to my wife last night, they could literally kill a panda and fuck its corpse. And our media would say the panda had it coming and who doesn't want to fuck a corpse? We're back in that area. We're, we're not going to be journalists. We're not going to look up anything. They will defend everything Biden and Harris and company has done. And it starts with Hunter Biden. Here's the media again, justifying or ignoring this story. And imagine a TV channel that covered almost nothing but car crashes. Hour after hour, all the evils in the world related back to cars. All of this channel's shows gave you reasons to fear and hate and resent automobiles. I probably never would have driven a Jeep at all. That is Fox News. But instead of Jeeps, the shows are all about the news media. Media bias, media blind spots, media screw-ups. If one car crashes, no cars can be trusted. No, 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 none at all. Now, just like most drivers don't crash, most journalists don't commit the crimes that Fox claims. But on Fox, it is crash after crash after crash. Nothing but crashes, all day long. Almost every story somehow relates back to the media. The word media is uttered on Fox more than twice an hour, on average. Of course, I'm someone who covers the media full time, so you'd think I'd be into this. But even I know that the media is just one of many institutional forces. The media is really just a bunch of people. Flawed, stressed out, but mostly good people. And constructive criticism makes those people better. But obsessing over the crashes 24-7 is not constructive at all. It's destructive. Which is what brings me to Fox's biggest story this week. We watched every hour on Thursday and Friday. And more than 50% of the hours, more than half the hours on Fox, began or led or started with this. Hunter. 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 All right, that's enough. You get it. The lead story was Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son. The lead, of course, means they think the most important story was Hunter Biden. They led every hour uh, with it, um, more times than not. Now, some Fox show is probably going to use this segment to chastise me. So let me be crystal clear. The news of the federal probe into Hunter Biden's tax affairs is obviously important. It's important, which is why CNN's Evan Perez and Pamela Brown were chasing the news for weeks. And when they were almost ready to report it and they went to the Biden team for comment, the Biden transition team tried to front run CNN by issuing a statement confirming the probe, which is not cool on the part of the Biden team. So, yes, the investigation is important. What we know, Allison, is a little bit more about why the president appears to be so unsettled and unwilling to accept his election defeat, because as a private citizen, he's going to be a lot more vulnerable to what Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance is doing. Uh, Cyrus Vance, uh, re recently, the New York Times is uh, reporting, has interviewed employees of Deutsche Bank, President's banker, Aon, his insurance brokerage, uh, as part of a criminal investigation of the Trump organization. This is in addition to the civil uh, investigation that's underway by the New York Attorney General Letitia James. And all of this, again, we do not know if Cy Vance is ultimately going to bring charges. But I think this is one reason why all the talk about Trump potentially running in 2024 has gotten a little ahead of itself. 
set aside the fact that he is an overweight 74-year-old man, there is also a chance that he could be facing uh, criminal prosecution after he leaves office, and it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he could end up in jail. And we have new details on the federal investigation of President-elect Biden's son, Hunter. With that, here's Kristen Welker. Meanwhile, new details about the federal criminal investigation into the finances of Hunter Biden. A source familiar with the investigation says it began in 2018, and authorities are looking at his business dealings in China, including whether he violated tax and money laundering laws. Hunter Biden's business dealings in China and Ukraine while his father was vice president, a frequent target of President Trump. Where's Hunter? Hunter Biden saying the investigation will show, quote, I handled my affairs legally and appropriately. Meanwhile, President-elect Biden tapping former Obama National Security Advisor Susan Rice to run his domestic policy. I just want to deal in fact because there is so much speculation out there and there is zero evidence that Hunter Biden or Joe Biden did anything wrong here. We should note, again, you, you and I have said this on the air many times, there is no evidence that Joe Biden was you know, involved in any wrongdoing. Of course, I want to note that there is no evidence that Joe Biden or Hunter Biden has done anything wrong. I just want to reiterate. And let's be clear for the viewers. There is no evidence Biden did anything wrong. I'll note again because it's important. There is no, I repeat, no. There is no evidence that either Biden did anything illegal. There's been no evidence. There was no evidence. There's no evidence. There is no evidence. There is not an iota of evidence. No, no evidence, evidence Biden, Biden did, did anything, anything wrong. wrong. There's really no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Nobody's ever accused uh, that, I mean, there's no evidence whatsoever that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Got that? Joe Biden did nothing wrong. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. Biden's secret emails. A really fishy story. The Post claimed that the emails were found on a laptop computer that was brought to a repair shop in Delaware in the spring of 2019. The FBI is now investigating whether those alleged Hunter Biden emails are actually connected to a larger foreign intelligence operation. They may be related to a foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence operation. For all we know, these emails are made up. The information found on the laptop may be part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Part of a Russian uh, disinformation uh, effort. Described by many intelligence experts as having hallmarks. All the hallmark, hallmarks, rather. All the hallmarks of a Russian. Or Russian. Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation. Disinformation campaign. This is a classic example of the right-wing media machine. Don't drag the intelligence community into this. Hunter Biden's laptop is not part of some Russian disinformation campaign. The intelligence community doesn't believe that uh, because there's no intelligence that's now as i started and i was mumbling bumbling and studying stumbling through my intro this is how it all happened this is where the election was stolen this is where the georgia runoffs will be stolen they're already doing it with warmock you're a racist Oh, what's wrong with the candidate going to Reverend Wright's church? Twitter, Facebook. Twitter right now has censored 486 Trump tweets. 486. It hasn't stopped. And it won't. Because instead of actually covering the fact the media got it wrong, they suppressed the story that was a story. It wasn't Russian disinformation. This is Brian Seltzer. 
AM leads on MSDNC and CNN gutting COVID death toll. Vaccine updates. Trump attempt to overturn the election. Over on Fox, the banner, Trump slams minimal coverage of Hunter Biden probe. 11 straight minutes of Hunter rage. Ducey. What did Joe know? And when did he know it? To put it simply, Fox News producers believe that their viewers do not want to hear about depressing pandemic deaths. They believe pandemic news doesn't rate. They believe they need to focus on culture war battles, anti-Democrat narratives, and pro-Trump stories. The end. Sweet fucking God. Does he even watch his channel? Scotty Potty. To put it simply, a lot of people are suffering because of the reaction to virus where the CFR is dropping daily. This is over. CNN completely ignored the Hunter Biden story, dismissed as a narrative that was falling apart, when in really, outside the CNN world, there was an active federal investigation that was on hold, an amazing in-kind contribution to the Biden campaign. Even simpler, another tweeter. CNN and MSDNC are engaging and distracting people from the actual stories. The Biden is corrupt. The schematic deaths are exaggerated. And election fraud is being exposed. Fix it for you. You're welcome. Conversely, to put it simple, CNN wants its viewers paralyzed with fear of a virus that has a 99.98 survival rate. Mac with a vengeance. How's that Hunter Biden story your network dismissed until after the election coming along? He then goes into portion control. And I want to play this by itself because it's classic CNN. And imagine a TV channel that covered almost nothing but car crashes. Hour after hour, all the evils in the world related back to cars. All of this channel's shows gave you reasons to fear and hate and resent automobiles. I probably never would have driven a Jeep at all. That is Fox News. But instead of Jeeps, the shows are all about the news media. Media bias, media blind spots, media screw-ups. If one car crashes, no cars can be trusted. No, 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 none at all. Now, just like most drivers don't crash, most journalists don't commit the crimes that Fox claims. But on Fox, it is crash after crash after crash. Nothing but crashes, all day long. Almost every story somehow relates back to the media. The word media is uttered on Fox more than twice an hour, on average. Of course, I'm someone who covers the media full-time, so you'd think I'd be into this. But even I know that the media is just one of many institutional forces. The media is really just a bunch of people. Flawed, stressed out, but mostly good people. And constructive criticism makes those people better. But obsessing over the crashes 24-7 is not constructive at all. It's destructive. Which is what brings me to Fox's biggest story this week. We watched every hour on Thursday and Friday. And more than 50% of the hours, more than half the hours on Fox, began or led or started with this. Hunter. 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 All right, that's enough. You get it. The lead story was Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son. The lead, of course, means they think the most important story was Hunter Biden. They led every hour uh, with it, um, more times than not. Now, some Fox show is probably going to use this segment to chastise me. So let me be crystal clear. The news of the federal probe into Hunter Biden's tax affairs is obviously important. 
It's important, which is why CNN's Evan Perez and Pamela Brown were chasing the news for weeks. And when they were almost ready to report it and they went to the Biden team for comment, the Biden transition team tried to front run CNN by issuing a statement confirming the probe, which is not cool on the part of the Biden team. So, yes, the investigation is important. How fucking delusional do you have to be to even utter that? They ran with two scoops of ice cream. Any negative thing they could find. It was nothing but a car crash on a dumpster fire for four years. He did multiple tweets how they led. How they talked at night. Michael Duncan. Less than a month ago, Brian called the Hunter Biden story a manufactured scandal. December 14th, Brian Seltzer, Fox Hunter obsession is an example of a much larger problem in the media. The internet has blown up proportionality. On Facebook and Twitter, everything appears to be the same size. Equally important, equally legit. I think this has a lot to do with why our infoverse feels broken. Michael Duncan again. It shows just incredible arrogance to not do your job for a month and then still defend a special media gatekeeping role. And others have some self-awareness. NBC is still. Hunter Biden, president-elect's son, says federal prosecutors probing his taxes. The probe was revealed weeks after an election which Donald Trump and his allies made unfounded and baseless claims. Replies. Imagine a bubble of self-delusion that the newsroom must be for this to come out of it. Another tweet, not just unfounded or baseless, but unfounded and baseless. Translation, we know we were lying and obfuscating the truth on this, but in our acknowledgement, please understand, we still have to get our jabs in because we're Democrats. Everyone should be outraged. Ben Domasek. Torches media intel experts. Sorry, I I keep hitting with my knee. I have a new splitter for uh, USB, and it keeps kicking my external hard drive off, so sorry about the noise there. Good morning. Has John Brennan apologized for lying about Hunter Biden's money laundering? Or maybe first he should apologize for lying about a CIA minion spying on Congress while investigating illegal torture of prisoners. Both would be nice. And what about McFall? How about Michael Morell? And he just lists everybody. We're talking everybody. Because they all came up with it. Well, this is most likely Russian disinformation. It's almost comedic if you think about it. Russian disinformation. A real federal investigation, we find out, was Russian disinformation. Do you think we'll ever have China disinformation? Because that's the real thing. Rita Penali before Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo. Now, Justice Department, interest in Hunter Biden covered... More than taxes. Megan Kelly. 
The Hunter Biden story was actively suppressed by Jack, Facebook, and virtually all media. The same ones now lecture us on how the election was fair. We can argue voting procedures, but let's be clear. This was nothing close to a fair election. And she's right. That's it. Because what they're also not reporting, Biden transition is quietly putting Google and Facebook employees into its transition landing teams. Zod Zod, Christopher Upperman, Rachel Lieber, Dion Scott. There's a lot of sensitivity among progressives and some conservatives to the Biden admin tapping leaders with ties to Silicon Valley. These four were part of the Obama admin before going to work for tech companies. That's not a story, though. Nor is this story. A former aide is accusing New York's governor, Andrew Cuomo, of misconduct. Lindsay Boylan writing on Twitter, quote, Yes, Governor Cuomo sexually harassed me for years. Many saw it and watched. Boylan worked in the Cuomo administration from 2015 to 2018. She's now a candidate for Manhattan Borough President in New York City. The governor's press secretary responding to the accusations saying, quote, There is simply no truth to these claims. Now, I'm just going to go one news source. It's the biggest news source because it's Gannett and it does all your local papers nationwide. Democrat presidential candidates are calling for Brett Kavanaugh to be impeached after the New York Times published an essay containing new allegations of sexual misconduct. Just an essay, no proof. Today, the aide has not yet provided any validating evidence for the allegations or specified details on the harassment. Como's office has denied the claim. And it's no different than Tara Reid. Republicans accused. Democrats denies. And it goes on forever. They published everything anybody ever said. It, It was okay. You just shut your fucking dirty mouth. Me too. Believe all women. Tucker had a great segment on this last night. Some speech where he was getting a award at the same time he was harassing people. And it was all full of Trump's bad. He's ignored. Me too. He hasn't given it enough attention. The due diligence, it is deserved. Because... I I just... I can't. The amount of hypocrisy we have going on right now in our media, I told everybody that would listen would happen, but then I watch it, and I am just in shock that this is okay. That nobody is saying, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you fucking kidding me? Because people are still eating it with a spoon. They're still watching. They're still getting ratings. And it's just unbelievable. 
which leads to our last ugly, and then we'll go into woke, a short woke, be rapid fire woke segment. When they went to do the electors in Michigan, Republican electors were not allowed to go in. Some say it was a political stunt. I don't know. But I do know that people had to stand for the Black National Anthem in Michigan. In the Michigan Statehouse. And if this is where we're going, we got major problems. For many of us, 2020 has felt like a raging hellscape. Well, on the West Coast, where I am right now, you'd be forgiven for taking that analogy literally. Record wildfires torched their way through millions of acres of land from Oregon to Washington, California, and Colorado. Oregon had a particularly devastating wildfire season. More than 1.2 million acres burned across the state this year. That doubles the 10-year average of 557,000 acres. Southern California is on fire as we speak. Residents who had Told, been told to stay home because of the pandemic are now make, making hasty evacuation plans to escape the, the, the flames that are burning out of control. Officials say it could last through the week. Wildfires feed off of dryness, wind, and you guessed it, heat. 2020 is on track to be the third hottest year on record. No coincidence, by the way, the planet is overheating. Human-caused climate change is holding the flame. The United Nations released an apocalyptic climate report last week. Here are just a few of the downright horrifying records that we have broken in 2020. 30 Atlantic-named tropical storms and hurricanes. 12 that made landfall in the United States. The aptly named Death Valley in California hit 129 degrees Fahrenheit, the hottest temperature the world has seen in 80 years. Central Europe experienced extensive drought, including a 43-day dry spell in Geneva, Switzerland. And get this, record wildfires in the Arctic. The Arctic. A heat wave in Siberia culminated at 100 degrees Fahrenheit, triple-digit heat in Siberia, a country with an annual average temperature of 23 degrees. Are you listening yet? If not, U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres has a stark warning for the world. He says, quote, to put it simply, the state of the planet is broken. Dear friends, humanity is waging war on nature. This is suicidal. Nature always strikes back, and it is already doing so with growing force and fury, end quote. There's no messing with Mother Nature, but as they say, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Okay, for those who knew the show, this is the crazy shit that used to not be out in the streets. And we would do a segment on gay, LGBT, craziness, the race hustling industry in college. So, 
As we start getting back, this is just kind of a buckshot of stories I found since the last podcast. Tom George, Hawaii rep, Tulsi Gabbard introduces bill called Protect Women Sports Act. Clarify Title IX protections to be based on biological sex, which would impact transgender athletes participating in athletic programs. HuffPo, Tulsi Gabbard, who has claimed to support LGBT community, is pushing a bill to bar schools from receiving federal funds if they allow transgender girls to complete in women's sports. They're trying so hard on this one to label her. But it's across the board. Report says Disney threatening to cancel Mandalorian spinoff over actresses' tweets, which was the same thing. And they're talking about getting rid of it. Now it's just getting rid of her. And she was woke, by the way. But the boys went in the 40 with bows in their hair concept. Just was something too far for her. Actor, comedian Kumal Nijima says traditional masculinity is a disease. Amelia Thomas DeVoe. Why do so many stick with Trump and so many men stick with Trump in 2020? The COVID-19 pandemic may have given him a way to reach more masculine men. Many of those men actually like Trump's shrugging off approach. My story for 538, which is supposed to be objective. Kamijamajima, traditional masculinity is a disease. Bridget Fetacy, could you be more of a bitch? If you really believe that, you'd cut your penis off. Gee, good thing you don't have to worry about that. Somebody tweeted the Hollywood Reporter. This doesn't help the world. Triumph of the beta male. Yeah. That's why women are turning lesbian for fuck's sake. Men aren't men anymore. On a LGBT bashing kick, I guess, because I don't know what this is. Don't let a man in a dress rule us. Highway sign mocking PA health secretary draws criticism. Don't let a man in a dress rule us. Road sign mock PA health secretary amid COVID. Some people who felt the sign may be taken as transphobic started a petition to remove the sign. The petition, which received more than 3,500 singers, are stated. I understand the importance of free streets, but when you have a large sign in the center of our town, your message speaks for the community, for fuck's sake. But we can say burn Trumpers and kill cops and paint roads with Black Lives Matter. Okay. Transgender activist says all children should be put on puberty blockers until they can decide their gender and oh my god there you go do you know science bro you put them on puberty blockers they're not gonna be able to reproduce maybe that's what you want to do with our lead-in which was more we're all gonna die because of climate change craziness by ali veshi but this is the dumbest thing i've ever fucking heard of zinni adult demon female yeah that's her thing if children can't consent to puberty blockers which pause any permanent changes even with the relevant professional evaluation how they can consent to the permanent and reversible changes that come with their own puberty with no professional evaluation whatsoever the youtuber went on to argue that an inability to offer informed consent or understand the long-term consequences is actually an argument for putting every single cis and trans person on puberty blockers 
This is literally a position that permanent change are fine as long as you're not trans. An inability to offer informed consent or understand the long-term consequences is actually an argument for putting every single cis and trans person on beauty blockers until they acquire that ability. Her comments followed a court case in the UK involving Kira Bell, a 23-year-old biological female who sued the British National Health Service Gender Identity Youth Clinic for prescribing her puberty blockers when she was 16 years old. Bell, who since regrets becoming a male, argued that the clinic did not do enough to challenge her decision to transition. Yeah, because they don't say that it's going to sterilize you. And she probably wants a baby now. J.K. Rowley's still in the shit. Buyer's remorse. Many people who regret sex transition pen a letter to J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling makes her living writing fantasy, but she's going... She's got no time for fantasies of transgender. For embracing reality, she's been repeatedly dragged by the Twitter mob. In a statement covered by the Christian Post on December 11th, Rowling revealed that 90% of the letters she receives from fans and family familiar with her work are supportive of her stance against the trans agenda. Not only that, many of these anti-trans agenda supporters include medical staff, social workers, prison workers, workers and women refugees, and members of the LGBT community. And I believe every bit of it, because if you want a good acknowledgement that this whole thing is horrible, go back to the episode in the library covering trans regret with Walt Hare, or just go to his site. He's been a man, a woman, and back to a man. And he talks about all the regret. Because then they get in a point in their life where the fad ain't cool no more. Because we just proved on the show a couple months back, young girls are doing it at an alarming rate because they like the attention these trans kids get. And they want the attention. For some comedy... And the editor is officially dead. Don't worry, it wasn't the COVID. This video about a former Vice blogger going into rehab is seriously the funniest thing we've seen today. And considering we covered AOC's timeline, that's saying something. I see white devil. I see an appropriator. You guys gotta watch this. Enjoy. I see sexism, racism in comedy, and a minority that needs my help. This is literally an apple. You know, after leaving Vice, a lot of bloggers have trouble reacclimating into normal society. I see a victim. It's another victim. So this is a trailer. Not enough women. Well, let's just watch it first. So it's my job as a therapist to help them get in touch with the person they once were. Kind of interesting. The whole place is all white. Okay, uh, you know what? Let's sit you back down. Let's get you back down. I keep having this recurring nightmare where they need my help, but I can't help them without my vice job. Who needs your help, Daniel? The Latinxes. Without blogging, I lost my sense of purpose. You don't work there anymore! I'm on a deadline! I see a white devil, an appropriator. This is your mother. Try to look past gender and race. I need a break! You know, my goal is for them to experience life again. So we're gonna do a little role play and I want you to interact with me. I'm so sorry. No, just act normal. Hi, would you like a beer? See, isn't that- ah! see family norms being shoved down my throat. There's not enough without looking for problems. What, someone just has to stay at home? As a cisgendered white male, it looks like it's gonna rain. Okay, now I want you to try it again, but without the first part. It might rain? 
Cena wasn't that better? I don't know. I see a man who held a position only because of a rigged system. I need to tweet one thing. No tweeting. I have to. I have okay, a reservation. You know what? Let's shut this down. Let's shut it down. I have two vice rings. How many do you have? None. And that's okay. Because cold turkey can be a little too traumatic, it's important to wean bloggers off of their scolding. Your face is driving me nuts. Well, what is it about my face that's driving you nuts? Piece of shit. Okay, I think you've had your ration for today. We're gonna let you scold again after dinner. I want you to look yourself in the mirror and tell me what you see. I see a, a colonizer. I, I see the problem. Daniel, go deeper. I see... me. And doesn't that feel better? Hey, Mom. Uh, I just want to let you know, I'm sorry I called you a Nazi at Passover. Snap my fingers, you'll be able to be around a family member with a different opinion than you. Thank you. You're gonna make it. My God, it's spot on. I mean, that is a encapsulation of all my Bush League skits that's done with more professionality. I mean, what is wrong with you people? It's why you get op-eds like this. This is a real thing. Op-ed, why you have a no new white friend rule? Dear white people, I just met trying to find me on social media. As a general rule in life philosophy, philosophy, sorry, I do not make new white friends. It's not a new rule. I tried to live by it for a few years, and frankly, I've never steered me wrong. Every time I break it, I regret. I'm full up on white people, thanks. I have spent approximately four decades making white friends, and quite frankly, fat enough. It's nothing against you, or at least nothing personal. It's just that I'm so tired. I'm so tired of white folks, white men especially, but I rarely friend men because my quota of male friends is full too. So this is mostly directed to white women. It requires so much energy, emotional labor and investment and years really to determine if you're a white person who's trustworthy. The way some of you take up so much space and make everything about you and your feelings. Trust me, it's in your best interest not to be friends with me. I'm not a nice person. I'm not a polite Asian. I do not cater to whiteness. Look, you might say you never asked to be white. You don't deserve to be painted with a white brush of stereotype. You're not asking me to cater to you. You never asked to be treated differently. You're an individual and white people are not a monolith and it's not fair. I know. I just don't care. Sucks, doesn't it? Oh, well. I see color. I know that color is just one of a myriad of intersectionality identities that affect how we experience and operate in the world. You don't need to ask me to cater to whiteness. I've been catering to whiteness my entire life. This entire world caters to whiteness. I'm sure you're probably very nice, but I don't need more nice white women. Nice white women stay silent when POC, especially black women, suffer and let us all live matter. I want people who are actively fighting anti-blackness. So unless multiple of my trusted walk friends have vetted you, I really don't want you in my life. I can't risk you exposing my POC friends to harm. And I'm stopping. That's it. I'm not. No. I'm not reading anymore. No. No. And it's why, as a monolith this week, the media wrote stories like this. The senseless killing of Brandon Bernard. Trump's decision to go ahead with his execution feels like cruelty 
for the sake of cruelty. Let me just nutshell it down. Brandon Bernard and his, this is from the Justice Department. This was written during Obama's era. All right, this this is not, oh, not even Obama. It was, it was uh, Clinton. Bernard and his accomplice brutally murdered two youth ministers, which is probably the reason why the media feels good about it. It's always good to kill Christians because Christians give you COVID. I mean, don't you know? Tennessee Beckley on a military reservation in 1999. After Todd Bagley agreed to give a ride to several of Bernard's accomplices, that's why you don't give people rides, they pointed a gun at him, forced him and Stacy in the trunk of their car, and drove the couple around for hours while attempting to steal their money and pawn the wedding rings. While locked in the trunk, the couple spoke with their abductors about God and pleaded for their lives. The abductors eventually parked on the Fort Hood military reservation. Bernard and another accomplice doused the car with lighter fluid as this couple, still locked in the trunk, sang and prayed. After Stacy said, Jesus loves you and Jesus takes care of us, one of the accomplices shot both Todd and Stacy in the head, killing Todd and knocking Stacy unconscious. Bernard, not the other guy, Bernard, lit the car on fire, killing Stacy through smoke inhalation. In June 2000, a jury in the U.S. District Court for Western District of Texas found Bernard guilty of, among other offenses, two counts of murder within the special maritime and territorial jurisdiction of the United States and unanimously recommended a death sentence. His conviction and sentence were affirmed on appeal and his request for collateral relief was rejected by every court that considered it. Bernard is scheduled to be executed by lethal ejection and was on December 10th. See, this is why, as we covered in a couple podcasts ago, and Tucker and everybody else just starting to cover it, that L.A. new district attorney is scary and why George Soros gave him $2 million so he could get the win. They want to take away those things. See, if this was done now, oh fucking well, fuck you white Christians, you're bad people. Parvati made Bernard light the car on fire. And him and his friends killed them because their white privileges let them have a car while they didn't have a car. So killing on a jurisdiction or territory, this would be considered a hate crime. Oh, they're white, so it's not a hate crime. Yeah. That's why we get people saying, well, that's just horrible. The poor guy, he just killed two white Christians that did absolutely nothing to him. Just being white. But this is our future. This is why Tiffany Cross is now a host on MSDNC. I really want to tell you about this. My new home, our new home. Not only is this the beginning of a dream 20 years in the making, but what a time to kick off a show like this one. 
It is our time. We're going into a new year with one of the most diverse Congresses this country has ever seen, with record numbers of women of color, openly LGBTQ folks, and indigenous Americans serving than ever before. A record number of voters turned out this year to help unseat a beneficiary of years of white supremacy, punctuating the power of the new American electorate, which comprises a whole lot of voters of color. And they helped elect a black woman vice president. And right here, just announced this week, we have a black woman president making history as a pioneer. Rashida Jones will be the first to run a major news network, hosting a show that is designed with you in mind. This is your home. If you've watched cable news shows and yelled at the TV because you're not hearing your voice or your lived experience reflected, this is a show for you. If you've been angry that so many of these political discussions are being led by people waxing poetic and nostalgic about a country that never existed for you, you have found a home here. If you get lost in the acronyms, the insular inside baseball chatter that may sometimes fly over your head on cable news panels, ride with me because I am always writing for you. I did a fellowship at Harvard where I taught the impact the lack of diversity in newsrooms has on our democracy. And just around that time, Cesar Conde, also a pioneer as the first Latino man to chair NBC Universal News Group, envisioned a newsroom that looked like America. And so here we are. We're creating a news home in a country where the majority of Americans under 16 are people of color. They're Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders, Hispanics, Latinos, Native Americans, African Americans, and those of multi-ethnic backgrounds. I look forward to closely examining the politics and policies of a new White House, how they will navigate an increasingly progressive Congress, and holding this administration accountable, particularly to those who helped elect them. We'll discuss all that and more on this show with us at the center. We'll touch on politics, culture, humanity, and the inhumanity of some yet-to-be-addressed disparities. So, leave your Tims, your Crocs, your stilettos, sneakers, or sandals at the door and come right on in. Let's do it for the culture. Welcome home. Identity politics is back, my friends, because you have a black vice president. And as stated, when you criticize, criticize Biden... You're criticizing Harris, and you're a racist sexist. But it's going to the extreme. Not only is L.A. going into this craziness, but New York has freed thousands of gun suspects this year. These are arrested gun offenders. If we don't detain gun offenders, both for the specific and general deference, what's the point? 3,345 of the 7,000, or excuse me, 3,345 of the 3,793, 885 arrested this year for firearms crimes were let go. Just 450 remain in jail. We have made staggering number of gun arrests taking guns off the street for felons. But when you look three days later, four days later, those individuals are back on the street committing more gun violence. Yes, this contributes to more violence. I'd even be willing to say causes. Of the 3,793 arrested, 247 of them were accused of new crimes within just 60 days of their initial gun arrest. 
Only 32 of those 247 are currently in jail. This also means the majority, 93%, aren't rearrested within 60 days, and a lesser but probably substantial percent, perhaps not even a free offended. But in terms of violence, gun offenders are the problem. These offenders and shootings have doubled. Some of the suspects posted bail, but judges were required to release others under new reform laws that prohibit them from setting monetary bail on gun possession cases. This crime becomes ineligible for bail in most circumstances under the January 1st law changes, which mandate mandate judge to release collared suspects with no money down on hundreds of charges considered non-violent. Orange County to release inmates to keep them safe from COVID. And it's the same thing. Gun charges, drug star charges, violence charges. But they're going to take your gun. And do you think you won't be charged in the middle of the country? Or you won't have bail if you don't give them back your AR next year? This is what is the biggest fear of where we're going as a country. There's laws for you, and then there's laws for progs. While they say that the law is only for white people in the middle of the country. See, they always project what they want to do. Other crazy shit. Artwork featuring human blood will go on display in Washington to confront Trump voters. An artwork featuring human blood donated by America. Americans will be installed in the Washington, D.C. to confront Donald Trump supporters, The Hill reported. Russian-born, fresh-based artist Andrea Monikins, the White House filled with blood of U.S. citizens, will be projected onto the window of the Cultural D.C. Source Theater, according to The Hill. The video shows blood donated by Americans at a church in France for the artwork pouring through a transparent acrylic replica of the White House. This piece is intended to confront the 73 million Americans who voted to re-elect Donald Trump and the blood-soaked system of American political power. The use of human blood is required to interrogate the existing political system. I have questions about why people have to give their blood for an ideology, so I say you have no have to give blood, give it to art or to something that you're free to choose. It's just ridiculous. It's just fucking ridiculous. Because the only people that have spilled blood under Donald Trump is Democrats, BLM, Antifa. CBS News abortion access reporter finds it incredibly tone deaf for BP to hold a pro-life event during a pandemic. Again, another way of giving blood, killing babies. Taking opinions out of it, the BP holding a life is winning event while literally thousands of Americans are dying every single day from the virus seems incredibly tone deaf. Only read one reply. I love the thing CBS tries where they put a pro-choice reporter on the abortion beat and she pretends to not have opinions by doing things like calling stuff tone deaf. Yeah, you guys are great. You're just fucking great. The craziest hot text 
hot take I've heard this week. Parents are an oppressive class, like rich people or white people. Noah Berlansky. She's a parent of a teenage daughter. Parents are tyrants. Parent is an oppressive class like rich people or white people. There are things you can do to try to minimize the abuse that it's endemic to the parent-child relationship, but it's always there. Asking people in your home to contribute to upkeep is fine, but sentencing them to solitary confinement if they don't cater to your claim or preferences is less okay, as is hitting them. The fact that capitalism is awful is not an excuse for abusive familial relationships. Do people just not know how kids are treated? Parents routinely prevent children from speaking to friends, leaving the house, identifying as queer. Parents regularly hit kids and emotionally abuse them. The mechanics of the family and of capitalism are not separable. Nothing like Marxists insisting patriarchy is fine because they want to be able to feel good in how they treat their kids. Patriarchy is insatiated most directly through the family. Lots of feminists have talked about how you the family is exploitive. I'd point you to Firestone if you need a case made of greater length. Parents aren't a benevolent dictatorship. There is no benevolent dictatorship. It really sucks to see supposedly radical people pushing back on this. Like Marx and Engels were pretty mistrustful of the nuclear family and feminist Marxist extends their insight. People with rose emojis on their profiles shouldn't just be encountering the idea that parents are oppressive at the end of 2020. This is also our future. Since BLM doesn't like the nuclear family, liberals now don't like the nuclear family. And as usual, they shit on Christmas. In a It's Wonderful Life remake, Angel tells George Bailey to kill himself because he's white. I'm not making that up. Here's the goddamn story. I was going to save it, and I'll probably reboot this for next podcast. Hollywood is hard at work remaking the Jimmy Stewart classic, It's a Wonderful Life for Modern Audiences, and the film critics are praising some recent plot leaks from the new script. In the new version of the film, George Bailey's guardian angel will explain to him that since he is a straight white male, he should probably just go ahead and jump in the river. Clarence the Angel will then take George Bailey on a tour of Wakanda and explain that the whole world would be like Wakanda, but it's not because of centuries of colonialism and oppression. The updated story will feature lengthy lectures from Clarence the Angel where he explains how George Bailey's ancestral ancestors have systemically oppressed black and brown bodies for centuries and that the world would probably be better off. There's exactly... This is exactly the It's a Wonderful Night we need right now. It's a Clover Hope cultural editor for Jezebel with an updated message designed to push back against decades of patriarchy. The film is sure to resonate with the writers of Jezebel. The film will be only 20 minutes long and will end with George Bailey asking forgiveness from his oppressors. He then donates all his life insurance money to BLM and jumps off a bridge. Critics are hailing it as bold, inspiring, and correct in its meaning. And of course, that's the Babylon Bee. But I could read that right now and it would jive with how the left 
is there's a viral video of some liberal lady. Why are people like this? Some blonde girl in an airport. And there's a part two where she follows a lady with the mask. She sits down and she takes her mask off. Then she gets another one where a white girl is sitting socially distanced with her mask off. Then another guy, I don't know what this guy's doing wrong. Oh my God. That's the the fascism I'm talking about. This is where these people want America to go. You're either doing what the fuck they tell you to do Living by the rules, they say, or get canceled. All those people, when they got up and moved, wore their mask and did the right thing. But then when they sat down by themselves, 12 feet away from other human beings, oh no, 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 you can't do that. I mean, this whole fucking, you gotta wear your mask after the second shot crap because you don't know, we don't know if you could still spread it, shows that none of this is about science, none of this is really about anything. It's just about control. Which leads me to my last one. This one, I, I literally just can't. But we, we keep trying to be like Europe on the left. This is a European guy, James Wong. And I found this on my own, and I was just shocked that this was a thing. Absolutely. UK Guardian culture has racism baked into the DNA. It's so integral that when you point out it's extensive, people assume you're against gardening, not racism. Epitomized, for example, by the fascination and wild misuse of words like heritage and native. Gardens are denied their political agency because they too often reveal uncomfortable politics of individual ownership, spatial inequity, and unsustainable practices. There needs to be more honest conversation about gardens in the UK. What? The actual fuck is that? I have played on the show, Milk is Racist. I never thought gardening is now racist. Gardening. So, yeah. There you go. As we go to a break, because once we start back up, news and social media nuggets are woke. We'll do Army, because I love the U.S. Army. Oh, my heater shut off, and I don't know why it shut off. There we go. Here is sound bites from the Army-Navy game, which Army won, and that made your humble host very happy. And we'll come into This is America, which is a two-parter today. To them, the division is a source of pride, a singular team to which they belong. It is their division. 
And so it is with the men of the 25th Infantry Division who took part in the story you are about to see. The story of their Tropic Lightning Division in Korea. The 25th Infantry Division. Tropic Lightning. Formed from the Hawaii Division in 1941, these men served the Army's Pacific regions with the speed and fast strike precision as their motto symbolizes. Called into action at the onset of the Korean War, there was no retreat. It was stand or die. In a final defense against the invading Korean People's Army, these men held the line at the Pusan perimeter. Aided by the 27th Infantry Regiment, Wolfhounds, the American soldiers left their literal mark on Pusan. A no-fear-on-earth mindset pushed back the KPA, forcing their army to retreat after weeks of attacks. The battle would be the furthest the enemy would advance in the war. With tenacity and ferociousness, whether armed with tanks or with only bayonets and hand grenades, the infantry carried themselves with a confidence and fearlessness that left the enemy fleeing in disbelief. On December 12th at Mikey Stadium, it's America's game. We must fight until the end. We will fight as a team. Even in any other year, this has never been just any other game. We're basically all on the same team, except for this game. It is totally different than any other game there really is. Navy is a special team. Army is a special team. They're there for a special reason. It's not just about the football. You have 90 seconds to say your goodbyes. The emotions of every mom and dad. Their pride in the choice their children made that a country is worth fighting for. That's a very special kind of individual. It's not easy to do, but that's why not everybody does it. Oh, this hasn't been just any other year. But while so much of life in America has been so profoundly changed, the rhythms of life in these two institutions have gone on. They simply have to. You are signing up to lay down your life for someone else. It's not for the fans of hearts. They would do whatever it took to protect our country. You just are overwhelmed with pride. Give up that 
they're not yours anymore. But it's the unselfish thing for your kids. You let them go. You gotta let them go. The learning they do here, the training to protect the rest of us, isn't something that can be paused or homeschooled. And today, we celebrate that commitment like we do every year in a game different from all the others. It's the best our country has to offer. Any parent that sees their son run out in that field, it, it chokes you up. such a difficult choice. How many parents can say that about their kids? How many? Not what. Army Navy still reminds the rest of us that for every difference that seems to define us, unity remains an awfully beautiful thing to behold. Under one flag, as one nation. Much, much bigger than football the only game that everyone's playing in it. They're willing to die for everyone who's watching it. This has never been just any other game. This is Army-Navy. Air assault. It's game day. Go Army. Beat Navy. Join me as we ask a blessing on this day, on this game, on our land. Almighty God, creator and sustainer, here at the end of an incredibly difficult year, we stop for a moment to focus on the joy of America's game and ask your blessings. First, bless this day, as we recognize it is a gift. We did not make the sun rise, we do not make the earth turn, but we see the light and we feel the wind, and we're thankful we're not enjoying the rain. Lord, for this gift of life, we thank you. Lord, bless this game. Here on this field of play, two teams will strive with all their might to win. But soon, in the days ahead, we may ask them to deploy to a field of battle. And in that day, serving together as one team, they will once again strive with all their might to win in defense of our nation. How thankful we are for the devotion displayed by these players on the field and by all in uniform who surround me from both academies. And so, Lord, I pray that you keep them safe, bless their dedication, their discipline, and their sacrifice. And finally, Lord, bless this land. 
May we as a nation humbly learn the lesson that is being played before us by the cadets and midshipmen today. That we as a nation, even as we strive, are ultimately on one team. And that only through our dedication to the truth, only through our discipline to do what is right, and only through our sacrificial service to others can we ever hope to win over the challenges that may lie before us. And so, Lord, bless this day, bless this game, and Lord, God bless America. Amen. Amen. And now, please remain standing for the presentation of our nation's colors and performance of our national anthem. Performed jointly today by the Glee Clubs of the United States Military Academy and the United States Naval Academy. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming. Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. seen at Mikey Stadium. And for today's going to the 45th president of the United States, Donald Dave.
minute. Think where Army gets the ball. Nelson Smith behind our line gets the call and Nothing. didn't get it. The Black Knights hold their ground. There was no movement up front at all. Tyler straight off the right side and into the end zone. Touchdown, Army. Again, they shift over the left tackle to the right tackle. Means you have three offensive linemen to the right side. Both of your tackles are to the right side. Right over there, there's your strength. And on the shotgun, that's where he goes, behind those three guys. Leads out, and you actually pull the backside guard. You actually have four linemen to the right side because he followed Mike Johnson pulling around the corner, and that's the power that... Soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America in 2019. Now to politics. Tomorrow, the Electoral College takes the formal, constitutionally required step for electing a new president. But overnight, thousands of people took to the streets of Washington, D.C. to support the president's attempts to block Joe Biden's election. For the latest, let's go to ABC's Rachel Scott in D.C. Good morning, Rachel. Eva, good morning. And those demonstrations turning violent overnight. The Electoral College is now just 24 hours away from officially cementing Joe Biden's victory. It will bookend a week-long legal effort by the president that has been rejected by state and federal judges and even the Supreme Court. Overnight, tense clashes in Washington as thousands of Trump supporters rallied ahead of the Electoral College vote. Violence erupting between pro and anti-Trump demonstrators leading to dozens of arrests. Here a female officer being assisted as she limps away from the protest zone. Four people reportedly stabbed. Earlier in the day, demonstrators marched from the White House to the Supreme Court, calling for the election results to be overturned. And overnight, the remnants of that pro-Trump demonstration here in Washington turning violent. D.C. police say four people were stabbed, more than 20 arrested, when pro- and anti-Trump demonstrators clashed in different parts of the district.
So that, of course, is our media covering for Antifa. And in the following clip, you're going to hear five scumbags literally gang up on one man, beat him silly. They were beating up Christians in this soundbite. It was all Antifa, but our media is still going to lie. Oh, and also you have Columbus, Ohio Antifa, and Portland's got a chance again.
uncomfortable they won't even cover stories like this insurers bulk at covering portland businesses brokers say downtown upheaval has made carriers wary that's not because of the fucking proud boys you fucking 
adults. But yeah, that's our media. They're going to do it. And it makes total sense because this week, instead of covering Trump supporters getting beat down, especially the one with the two Christians, it's just horrendous video. But now, I mean, it's just commonplace on any American street. This week, a Northwestern dude wrote an article. University cancels author of essay who criticizes references to Jill Biden as doctor. Sounds and feels fraudulent. Northwestern is firmly committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and strongly disagrees with Mr. Epstein's misogynistic, misogynistic views. So they took down all his shit and screwed him over. And Tucker did a segment which will break it down better than I could because I'd be cursing through the whole fucking thing. I'm hoping yeah. Dr. Jill becomes a Surgeon General. His wife. Yeah, Joe Biden's wife, because she, you know, she he would it? never do it, but she, it's, yeah, she's a hell of a doctor. Yeah. Jill Biden is one hell of a doctor, says Karen. She should be Surgeon General. Just don't ask her to commit surgery. Don't ask for her advice in your coronary artery disease, because she's not actually a physician. She's a doctor of education, which means basically nothing. On Friday, the Wall Street Journal pointed this out. They ran an op-ed by Joe Epstein, made a true and obvious point. Jill Biden is not a doctor, no. Maybe in the same sense Dr. Pepper is. In 2007, at the age of 55, she got a doctorate in education. So she's got the same degree as Dr. Bill Cosby. In 2009, back when America was a lot more honest, Joe Biden explained why his wife got that degree. Quote, she said, I was so sick of the mail coming to Senator and Mrs. Biden, I wanted to get mail addressed to Dr. and Senator Biden. That's the real reason she got her doctorate. In other words, Jill Biden was diagnosed with a very bad case of status anxiety, and she decided to cure that, as so many do in our country, with another pointless title. That's all true. It's all obvious. Therefore, you're not allowed to say it. The Washington Post column has called Joe Epstein a weird, grumpy, elitist man. Because <laughs> he told the truth, which is the one sin in America in 2020. Of course, Michelle Obama from either Hawaii or Martha's Vineyard wrote a long Instagram message expressing her disappointment with the Wall Street Journal. It's racist or sexist or something. It's an ist for sure. But for all the performative outrage, none of this is new. For years, we've known about the Bidens that they have deep class insecurity. This was Joe Biden back in 1988, for example. I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only need 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. Very high IQ. And my wife's a doctor. <laughs> he has more hair now, too. Lisa Booth is not a doctor. She's a Fox News contributor, senior fellow at the Independent Women's Voice, and she joins us tonight. Dr. Booth, it's great to see you. Hi, Tucker. Well, T Tucker, it's Dr. Jill Biden, and don't you forget it or else. <laughs> because as you noted, Joseph Epstein learned the hard way. He wrote that column in the Wall Street Journal, and all hell broke loose. I want to read the quote 
that really triggered the left. So put this up right now. I'm going to read this quote to you from Joseph Epstein in that Wall Street Journal article. This is what he said. Madam First Lady, Mrs. Biden, Jill Kiddo, a bit of advice on what may seem like a small, but I think is a not unimportant matter. Any chance you might drop the doctor before your name? Dr. Jill Biden sounds and feels fraudulent, not to say a touch comic. So, Tucker, as you can imagine, uh, this, this, this article, this op-ed was not well received. As you pointed out, it provoked a response from Michelle Obama. Hillary Clinton also tweeted, she is Dr. Jill Biden, get used to it. Uh, yeah. Jill Biden's communication, yeah, Jill Biden's communications team called it shameful, sexist. They called on the Wall Street Journal to remove it and to issue an apology. And Northwestern called Mr. Epstein's comments misogynistic and they removed his profile from the website. And all of this also, uh, Jill Biden responded to it as well. She responded in a tweet saying this about young daughters everywhere. She said, I think we've got the, she said, together we will build a world where the accomplishments of our daughters will be celebrated rather than diminished. But this is the kicker for me, is if you go through and you read all of the articles outlining this, you know, fake controversy that happened, they all use the AP, they all know that they use AP style, which does not ref, which does not use doctor to refer to academic credentials, which is precisely the point that Joseph Epstein was making in his column. So this is what I think is absolutely hilarious is there's all this uproar uh, when that's precisely the point he was making. And also in 2015, the New York Times was three times as likely to use doctor in referring to Jill Biden than Ben Carson, who is a noted and prestigious neurosurgeon. <laughs> Who separated co-joints? Yeah. What's so hilarious you, you is can't how make it up. unbelievably touchy they are. They have no sense of humor about this. It's like going well, up to a Panamanian general and asking, like, where all those medals come from? You win a lot of battles, really? No, because they're self-awarded. Well, what well, this is, nobody cares about I, Dr. Jill. It's This is a threat to their entire system to, of credentialism. Yeah. Well, and now I have to just refer to her as Jill Biden because of the upward. I will never be able to refer to her as Dr. Jill Biden now. But just they're because it's ridiculous. because it's not just Dr. Jill Biden with her ersatz education degree. It's all of them with their dumb degrees from Cornell and Penn and Duke. And like, we're all supposed to be impressed. They're totally unimpressive. So their view is, well, if they can make fun of Jill Biden, if they can mock a self-evidently ludicrous credential like a doctor of education, boy, maybe they're not going to be impressed by the fact I work at McKinsey anymore. This is a revealing moment, I'm telling you. Lisa Booth, Dr. Booth, it's great to see you tonight. No, it, it sums it all up. Thank you. Thank you. Nobody does this. Nobody claims this. No, nobody does it. Together, we will build a world where we can accomplish where... Oh my, fuck, I keep fucking up today. Sorry, it's really early, guys. Together, we will build a world where the accomplishments of our daughters will be celebrated rather than diminished. She played... The woman card to which the entire women conservative movement sent a picture of ACB back to her because it didn't work then. Ben Shapiro, I just love that it's time when medical doctors should be revered as never before. We're in the midst of a global pandemic. We're now standing strong for the proposition that people who get doctorates in education should also be called doctor. Doctor, this man has been shot. Can you help? Of course. Let me grab my dissertation on community college access and explain to you why inequity has contributed to this man's condition. 
A guy went back and re- read her dissertation that got her her doctorate. Matt Bethel Sminati. He's going to get canceled. Reading Jill Biden's ED, EDD executive position paper, Ertzat dissertation, which she wrote at age 55, and it's bad. Here's a PDF. Keep in mind, at this point in her life, Miss Biden was grown woman who'd been married for a cumulative 30-plus years to various people. Three-quarters of the class will be Caucasian. One-quarter of the class will be African-American. The remaining seats will be filled with students of Asian descent or non-resident aliens. What remaining seats, Jill? Although there is strength and diversity as a classroom component, the lack of hegemony in a academic ability make it difficult to teach a single standard. Admission to college is open to all Delaware residents of high school education or equivalent or to anyone who's 18 age or older and wants instruction. That's big. Or the unique nature of the classroom allows for complexities of problems as well. This person expects on the basis of this effort to be called doctor. Many universities and colleges did not eliminate the freshman and sophomore years. No shit. Please tell me more, doctor. With a new president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Americans were offered the New Deal and thousands of dollars were put into federal emergency junior college funds, upward of 2000 The junior college adapted much like it did today to the needs of the student. This is a paper that purports to investigate why two-thirds of two-year college students fail to graduate. After Roosevelt's death, Truman, as the next president, created the Truman Commission. By 1963, public and private two-year headcount enrollment stood at 850,000. By 1990, enrollment had grown to 4,526,000, approximately a 230% increase in a student attendance. Ugh, very approximately. Basically, everything is fucked. But as Tucker said, it was her basic ego. Her husband was somebody. She wasn't. He's a dumbass. She isn't. So, yeah, we need to work on it. Kevin L. Cruz. It's weird. I saw the Indiana Jones movie in theater, and I don't remember any guys yelling that they didn't deserve to be called Dr. Jones in any way. Doc Rivers, Doc Phil, Doc Watson, Doc Holliday. Molly, the media that spent years denigrating Melania about everything imaginable is now going to rather rather absurdly to defend Jill. I'm sorry, Dr. Jill, against every light criticism, like suggesting that her education degree is at least as good as Dr. Dre's and Dr. Pepper's. The oldie but goodie. Is anyone a doctor? I'm a doctor. What is happening? Heart attack. I'm a doctor in gender studies. My reply is just two days ago on Colbert. It's Christmas season at the White House, where this weekend they continue to throw packed holiday parties with unmasked guests. Well, I certainly hope to make the most of Christmas because New Year's is going to be a party in the ICU. Of course, the White House already kicked off the holidays by unveiling First Lady Melania Trump's Christmas decorations. And following years of somewhat controversial choices, this year she went with something truly unexpected, Christmas decorations. And the First Lady also released her usual holiday video where she wanders around the White House looking at decorations all by herself. It's like a scene from a Home Alone movie 
but with fewer appearances by the president. Anticipation for these decorations was higher than usual this year because the day before she was diagnosed with COVID, a woman who pretended to be her friend released secretly recorded conversations in which the First Lady channels her inner Grinch. They say I'm, I'm complicit. I'm the same like him. I support him. I don't no. say enough. I don't do enough. No. Where, where I am, I put the, I'm working like a asthma, asthma. I know. The Christmas stuff that, you know, who gives a f- about Christmas stuff and decoration? Okay, that might sound bad, but I want to point out the president was right. We're saying Christmas again. She didn't say who gives a f- about happy holiday stuff. So... Has the First Lady finally found the spirit of the season? Here to tell us, live via satellite from Washington, please welcome Melania Trump. Madam First Lady, thank you for joining us. Merry hello and very Christmas to you, Stephen. And, and to you too, ma'am. I have to ask you about hosting these controversial holiday parties at the White House. Aren't you worried at all your guests could get sick? Oh, who doesn't wake up a little sick after a good party, eh? Besides, I've always considered nausea a side effect of spending an evening with my husband. That's the left. While they're saying you will respect and call her doctor, you can't disrespect the first lady again. I mean, I remember them. his whole line there about uh, looking at Christmas ornaments. She had blood red trees. It was a horror story. She ruined Christmas. She's a piece of shit. But this is the way we live now. One rule for them, one rule for you. Mindy Robinson, while Twitter is busy censoring Trump and policing us about voter fraud, none of the death threats I received from BLM this week were moved or suspended. It has never been about it's a safe place. It's about them controlling the narrative. These are things she got. You're actually fucking stupid, retarded-ass nigga. White bitch. Kill yourself. You should have been aborted. Kill yourself. Skirt. Let me try to zoom it in because it's, it's kind of fucking weird, though. Um, I look, Miss Mindy, I've seen your tweet, and I just got one thing. Hope you burn in hell. People like you deserve to burn and die. Go die, you bitch. I hope somebody shoots you. You should fucking kill yourself. You stupid fucking bitch. I hope you fucking die. Racist ass white cracker. Can't wait for somebody to kill you. I hope you drown in urine. Go kill yourself, bitch. Get your fucking facts straight. Um, Kill yourself. Skit. Die, die, die. Ugly cracker. Hopefully someone kills you, you dumb bitch. You built like a whole motherfucking soap bar, but you stink as shit. Uh, Kill yourself, die, shut up, you disgusting bitch. Choke on a fat dick, bitch. That's what you deserve, along with the rest of your stupid-ass family. I hope somebody kills your dog. Those are all tweets. It's okay. Cuomo could sexually harass somebody. No evidence. Jeffrey Tubin, another one this week. How the journalist Jeffrey Tubin went from respected New York writer to hashtag punchline and subject of debate on December 15th. It is unclear when or Mr. Tubin will return to public life. He's on leave from CNN. 
whose executives are unwilling to discuss his future. A spokesman confirmed that he remains the network chief legal analyst, but would not comment further. Three CNN employees say that network president Jeff Zucker is a big fan of Tubin and believes in second chances. But Mr. Tugan probably won't come back till 2021. So he's not going to get fired for pulling his dick out, literally, during a Zoom call. And then the last thing. COVID's so bad. We got to protect the kids, which turns in we got to protect the teachers, which turns into I talk to the teachers and I'm going to give them billions of dollars and they're going to go back to the class, which turns into Fairfax County, Virginia, which is virtual completely, is now saying on friend, a friend on Facebook is telling me Fairfax County is closing virtual schooling due to an inch of snow. Superintendent, we do anticipate there will be typical snow days we had in past years. How much taxpayer money did they get? Why can't the teacher Zoom teach from home? But don't ask real questions. Don't question this because it's really not about that. It's about politics. It's always been about politics. COVID's never been about a disease. It's about how we can win the 2021 election. That's all it's about. And it's still an anvil we can use until the midterms are done. And then we'll use it to protect Biden. But ignore the fact that only 6% of all the deaths are real COVID deaths. don't, Don't get facts. Don't get biology. Don't you ask where $11 billion went to BLM and who gave it to them? If you do that, you're just a fucking racist. So I had two ways to end this show. One was Tom Cruise losing his shit. I'm going to save that for next one. But I will play a skit from SNL, which was really funny, because I've always watched these Christmas commercials and people buying cars and going, if I went out and bought my wife a car with a huge payment, for fuck's sake, it would not be a Merry Christmas, especially if we couldn't afford it, which is exactly the skit they did. Hey, Matt. I think there might be one more gift for your mom right there. It hasn't been a normal year. So this Christmas, get her something extraordinary during the Lexus December to Remember sales event. Nathan, you didn't. With flexible financing and 0% APR, there's never been a better time to buy or lease a new Lexus. Merry Christmas, baby. Are you kidding me, Nathan? Did you seriously buy a car without asking me? Well... Because for Christmas... This is a major purchase. Right, but it, it was a December to remember. It's a Lexus. We don't have the money for this, Nathan. We don't? No, we don't. Your father doesn't... Your father hasn't worked since last March. What? Yeah, COVID has hit a lot of people hard, and I'm no exception. Nathan, you got fired in March 2019. COVID had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Hey, pal, I guess your old man's busted. Mm. It's beginning to look a lot like savings. 
So get to your local Lexus dealer today. How much did you spend on this ridiculous car, Nathan? It was only $39.99 to its signing. Four grand. It's not that much, babe. And how much is the monthly payment? The what? Did you think this entire car costs $4,000? Uh-huh. There's a monthly payment. Yeah, but with the 0% APR, I think it's all good. APR? Do you mean APR? I'm pretty sure it's APR. Wow. Just wow. Hey, come on. It's Christmas. This is good. I did a good thing for us. Let's enjoy it. Dad, it's 9 in the morning. So? It's not like I have work later. <laughs> come on. Hey. Hey, neighbor. You bought a Lexus? You come to me three weeks ago. Oh, Mike, help me. I need money. I can't buy Christmas gifts for my family. My wife doesn't respect me. I didn't say that. My wife's cheating on me with everyone. Mom, you are? I want to look cool in front of my son's girlfriend. Ew, Dad, is that why you pierced your ear? Uh, no, I've had this forever. I just need five grand to get back on my feet. And then you buy a Lexus? Yeah, well, it was beginning to look a lot like savings at my local Lexus dealer. I want my money back man tomorrow hey Kathy what is that look you know what we're taking this car back to the dealership now I better drive maybe we stop by Jenna's on the way over show us cool car your dad got huh shut up give the gift of Lexus and definitely talk it over first that pretty much rings true and how it probably really go. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share comments by emailing flyoverpolitik with a K at outlook.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Pocket Static, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Down, and Pocket Cast. Remember, check out the Twitter page at Fop Tony Reed. Our next podcast will be Probably Monday, the 21st of December, Year of Our Lord 2020. We'll do a Christmas show. Um, But if I get froggy, you might get another politics show on the 21st and a Christmas show on the 23rd. We'll see. But I'll try to, I know I'll get one. I'm going to shoot for two. Until then, disconnect from all your devices. Enjoy your family. Don't give the yeah-yeahs. You'll regret it. And watch some shows. There there were some good Christmas shows. PBS uh, Christmas at Belmont is fantastic. Swingin', a Swingin' Christmas with Ella Fitzgerald was actually really good. And that's probably one of the best records you'll ever get, Christmas records. Um, the arrangements are phenom- phenomenal. I'm still looking for it on vinyl. I've never found it. Um, I know I could buy a brand new, but I want to find an original and it's kind of tough and People on eBay want to sell it for seven fucking billion dollars and shit. Fucking jackasses. So I haven't found one. But um, listen, enjoy the holiday season. We're almost out of time and it'll be Santa coming down your damn chimney and we'll be moving on into the new fascist America where you lose your gun and your rights and your ability to have any free speech on social media. But the left can do whatever the fuck they want. So that's a great new year. 2021 is going to be a worse worse garbage fire than 2020. Because we're still going to be locked in our houses wondering why. Are we still bending curves? I don't know. So let's just enjoy Christmas while we can. Tune in next week, either Monday, it will be Monday, a show. And hopefully Monday and Wednesday for another exciting episode. As always, thanks for listening. Take care.
Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Twitter account at FockTonyReed and send suggestions or comments to email address F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Remember, the flyover states are the backbone of this country. Never fear flying your flag and standing tall. Ignore the media hate. Ignore the fascist coastal states. Try as they might to bring America down. The patriots of this country will never bow.